Welcome to Farming the Depths of Eternal, a constructed podcast all about brewing. Each episode, more or less, we do a deep dive on a card and brew some decks around it and uh, see how far we can take it. I'm Patrick of Potomar Online, and this week we have I'm Straight from WSG and uh, Apple Chips from Team Invoke Lethal on, also the winner of the recent World Championship. So congratulations, Apple Chips, on that. Congrats. Thanks. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's it's the new year. We haven't recorded an ep- episode in a, a few weeks with the holidays. So that it's a new year, new set coming out. We've, got, we've had some exciting promos. And so we thought we'd take this opportunity to talk about uh, creation project decks. <laughs> and, <laughs> and world's prep. I, I figure, you know, what a more opportune time to talk about uh, all the cool decks you can play in this format than uh, with a new set coming out in uh, a week and a half or so. More seriously, uh, we I did think this would be uh, a cool opportunity because we are sort of in a lull. We do have like spoilers and uh, a new promo uh, dropped recently that Straight is very excited about. So I think we'll have, we'll be back to our brewing roots pretty soon. But I, I figured it'd be cool to talk about a bunch of the decks because you two uh, work together for World Preps, uh, World Prep, right? That's right. Yeah. So, um, and I know you guys play a, lo- a huge variety of decks and test out a lot of things. It's uh, one of the coolest parts about having you guys uh, both on and straight on every week is that you guys have such a breath and a sort of desire to try out new things. And so with this sort of dead period as we're waiting for a new format, I thought it'd be cool to get some ideas of maybe different decks people could play uh, besides for just sort of the creation projects or the menace decks uh, that we're seeing so prevalently on, on ladder. But- yeah, totally. And uh, one thing to, I also want to add is um, so one thing uh, chips and I brew together a lot um, for worlds. The, the preparation team was uh, fiend. Who's uh, one of the newest members of TIL and then um, Apple Chips and myself. Um, Bergen is also on my team, but we didn't end up prepping too much together. We shared kind of some ideas back and forth, but the three of us uh, did um, a ton of work. I would say probably Feed and Apple Chips did e- even more work than me, but the three of us basically prepared together uh, for Worlds. So the decks that we're going to be going through uh, were kind of the three of us uh, playing around with things, testing things, um, spending a lot of time in Expedition and then some time in Throne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, it's pretty interesting because, you know, I, you know, Fiend is actually a, a contributor to our Discord. And, you know, he, I think probably, my impression, you guys maybe know him and this better than I do, but, you know, he started as a, a drafter, I feel like, and drafts a lot, and then uh, sort of had success in these throw, uh, had success in the open, qualified for worlds, um, and so it's it's kind of interesting because I view him as a drafter that sort of started playing constructed just because almost because they wanted to play more and compete. Um, did he did that come out in testing? Like, did he have a different perspective as? primarily a drafter or maybe i'm getting the whole story wrong no that's that's about right like yeah his primary uh expertise is is definitely in draft um he hadn't done um 
a ton of constructed like he's he's done some uh he's been playing for several years so he he has done uh you know some of it i think and constructed um you know through the years you gotta you gotta grind gold for drafts somehow right, right. um but yeah, I, I think he picked up on things very, very quickly. Um, and there are some nuances with Constructed that are a little bit different in the way that you evaluate things um, that requires kind of more uh, historical knowledge sometimes of a format and, and things that have existed in the past. But uh, I want to sneak in that I, I did joke uh, joke with him a little bit about his Xenon deck that he brought in the last Throne Open, which he, he got a really good placement with. Uh, but it had a lot of one ofs and two ofs, and I, I did joke joke with him that it, it did feel a little bit like a, you know, a, a limited deck, like it was trying to get a little bit of a of a comfort zone, uh, yeah. not just play all these four ofs. Yeah, yeah. He loves having he loves the feeling of having an answer to everything. He, it is something he talked to me about. Like yeah, he always wants to have an answer to everything. Yeah, and I think you know we discussed his uh, Zenin deck in in one of the episodes, and it definitely did feel like that, like where the deck building felt almost <laughs> drafty or or like yeah, sort of wanting the answer to everything, but also then you know his play skill obviously really shines because he has done well in multiple opens and you know qualified for worlds and. Um, and stuff. So it's just pretty interesting that, you know, like even when you don't have this like huge history of, of constructed and building these, like what people think of as like clean, like four of lists, you know, you can still kind of, you know, play skill matters quite a lot. Um, it's always interesting to me, I think. Fiend's sure. very, very good player in general. And yeah, he has a very good mindset and attitude. So he was able to, uh, progress a, a ton in our practice. Yeah. Like, in terms of constructed. So, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It's really interesting. I remember in one of the draft opens when uh, he lost uh, uh, a match because he he saw that his opponent had uh, two pieces of relicate in their pool. And so he took out his uh, poacher's menagerie from his deck and uh, sort of next leveled himself because his opponent didn't actually play either of the relic removal pieces. Um, and it, yeah. it's that kind of stuff is interesting. Cause like, that's not a level that I would get to where you're, I'm like kind of notoriously bad about playing around things. And I'm sort of still at that level of play where I just, am like, I'll just make them have it. So I've like progressed <laughs> to, to that point, but haven't, you know, progressed beyond that. And it's always interesting to see, uh, you know, into people who are like trying to go like three level levels deep so far as to like take Poacher's Menagerie out of their draft deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely an interesting balance to be had there. It's it's very complicated. Like, game's really hard. It's not easy, and <laughs> it, the the fact that you have to play around things sometimes, but not all the time, just makes it even more insanely complicated. Yeah, and there'll be disagreement and stuff as well. The so we wanna... oh, sorry, go ahead, treat. I was just about to say the deck that we brought. Um, oh yeah, I was really in expedition in particular. I was really really proud of. Um, I think it was a really great collaboration. I particularly liked that, you know, in a format that people were complaining was very stale. Um, 
and like everything was going to just be menace and creation project we were able to you know brew a really sweet deck that i thought was a really great answer to the format but also just ticked really well it was very nicely synergistic um i i just i was really proud of that deck um and the, the work that we put behind it yeah i agree it, it was cool it, it had a, a bunch of cool cards in it it was a sort of a, a neat concept uh, what was the sort of the why did you feel that deck was well positioned or maybe you want to explain the deck a little bit for people who who didn't watch well, worlds it's uh so the deck that we brought is it's kind of like a tempo-y like token build so it's it's very very low curve it doesn't have any cards that cost more than four in it. Um, and it's it's an abundance deck. It's trying to like play multiple cards and tokens in the same turn with abundance. Like that's part of it. It's got this like taunt plus dashing scoundrel package, which is cool because dashing scoundrel is this card that gives your attacking units deadly. So that combines really well with taunt since your opponent is forced to block those units. Um and then you've got your like classic cards like dinosaur nests that are just great in every deck. Um, and then, yeah, so it just it all the cards are like pretty good on their own and also generate tokens. So it it really meshes well together. And then you have big wheel as your like finisher relic, kind of like it's kind of like the project of this uh, deck. Basically, it's a lot worse than it's a lot less good than project, but it's still good enough, and because the deck is so low curve, you don't actually end up taking that much damage off it, so you, you end up getting a ton of card advantage before you die from it. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. And there yeah. were different ideas of how to approach the deck, also different iterations of the deck, um, yeah. even before we had Big Wheel in there, but what the one of the key things was, was kind of um, yeah, the collection rounds plus scoundrel kind of idea is a little bit of where this particular build started from and then fleshing that out the one thing i do want to say about expedition and kind of similar to the year before for worlds when analyzing decks for it i think there were a lot of really strong cards but the card that stood out to me as the best card was dino nest back then and I think for this time around, the cards that stood out for me as the best card in the format was Renaya. And I think that Renaya is in the Menace deck, but I think Renaya in this deck is it utilizes this deck utilizes Renaya so well and just really blossoms every aspect of the card um, to the point where it just yeah, I feel like it, it brings the deck together um really really well yeah you gain so much life from it and <laughs> and the card itself is just gives you like two for ones like a lot of the time just from its ability um and yeah it really makes big wheel like have like almost no risk when you get it off so it's it's pretty yeah right there's so much incidental life gain between grumbo um and Renaya. Yeah, well, what's interesting to me is, uh, you know, um, so this is an, an FTS deck. And so, like, the the pillars of, of the format are, 
um, the Creation Project decks, uh, T or F FTJ and yep. the Menace decks. And so you guys were kind of like, you know, you thought Rania was a card with building around. And so Rania already has a deck in, in Menace, but you sort of didn't want to play the Menace deck for 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 whatever reason. And then there's this creation project deck, and 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 you're talking about how you put Big Wheel in the deck to sort of be like your creation project at home card in the deck. And then you, you but you're you're the deck you're describing kind of is like a very creation project tokeny sort of style deck. But then you you sort of eschewed this justice to put the shadow in. So that gave you access to Rania and then this taunt package with um, collection rounds and stuff. And so I guess I was just wondering like, what made you try to, in my mind, this deck is almost like a hybrid of these, like these two decks and sort of what made you sort of not want to do one or the other and then try to find this like synthesis deck or would you not even describe it as that? Uh, that's a good. That's a good question. Um, I I wouldn't. It's good observations. I wouldn't really consider it to be a synthesis of like those two decks. So, I think there's two things here that are important to point out. So, the the shadow cards for this kind of archetype, like a tokeny abundance, like kind of build. The shadow cards are a lot better than the justice cards um in terms of like rounding out the strategy so like collection rounds is like incredibly important racking um renaya um like those th those like uh cards vikram's bomb is also like probably the best removal spell in the entire format honestly um so i think you the one key there of like doing this this kind of deck with shadow is is that you can't really do a similar deck with justice uh that that's as good like the project decks that people brought were more like like kind of classic mid-range decks right and it's um, sorry to interrupt but it's interesting because i do feel like there was this sort of discourse that abundance was impossible to play an expedition and that there just wasn't enough token support but i i think that was probably said in the lens of trying to fit it in a creation project deck. Exactly. Yep. That's fair. Yep. Yeah. Like collection rounds is a huge part of the puzzle here. Like I think low key this card is like kind of what makes this deck even work at all. Because like it ties it ties abundance and it ties dashing scoundrel. It's like it's great with Renaya as well, because it's like two bodies that die and gain you life. And it yeah, it just it's it yeah it's three cards for for one card for abundance like yeah it's crazy um, it works with all the influence as well because basically yeah. we we had um we had the the fire um version of the card too uh but the deck is basically like a xenon deck splashing fire off the back of like exodus plus some other cards so I think Chips in particular is very, very good at understanding the influence requirements and making them work in 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 decks. So 
I, I think we went through a lot of different iterations to try to find the right way of making the deck uh, tick, but also keeping it consistent so that you're able to make your double time on three and your double shadow on three work uh, in a three-color deck. So I think that's a really large part of the decks uh, being able to be successful. Yeah. Um, and so, and then, oh yeah, sorry. I was gonna. You mentioned um, like why why we, you know, you you could play uh, Renaya and Menace, and so the the key advantage to this deck is that it just has like an absurdly great matchup against Menace. Like in testing, it was something like incredibly absurd. Pretty much, however you built Menace. It was like you just couldn't beat this deck, basically. Like, so we that we were very excited about that, especially like before the patch came, because we expected basically everybody to bring menace, because menace was just so much better than every other deck. Um for, before, you know, uh like in the open, uh especially. Mm-hmm. So and uh when the patch dropped, I had a feeling that some people would switch to creation project and that matchup's not definitely uh, is a lot closer but what i do what i like about this deck is because of vikram's bomb you you have there's an there's an asymmetry where you have the same number of relics as them but you have way, more ways to answer their relics and i think the matchup's close enough to where whoever has like relics in play will have like an advantage like a rel- pretty sizable advantage like to be favored so i felt like that was fine if people some people switched to project and uh because like if half the meta is menace and that matchup's like basically unlosable and the other half's like an even matchup that's that's the best deck that's that's a great place to be basically yep. right and then um we, we've kind of talked about this in in previous episodes so do you think this deck is it is this like a best deck or is this a a deck built to like prey on the metagame? If if you know what I mean. Um I mean, I think the deck is just very good in in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, I mean basically if you think that menace will be popular, I would I would just always bring this deck basically. Right. Like this just I mean the format's not gonna last much longer, but like currently if you feel like you're seeing a lot of menace on ladder, like yeah, I would definitely play this deck. Um it's it's also kind of the thing where like you have to kind of enjoy the strategy, I think, yeah. and kind of, you know, practice it a little bit to get get a few extra percentage points. But yeah. I think it's a top deck. I think it's like a tier one deck. It's I don't know if it's deck. yeah. It's not yeah, the best. I, deck. Like, I think it's a top. I don't deck. think it's tier zero or anything. Right. But. Yeah, and that's that's what I was trying to get at. Not the best deck, but like if if this format was to go on for longer, it, this would become a, a sort of a pillar of the format. I yeah. think there's more rock, paper, scissors with this deck going on in a format than Creation Project. So I think Creation Project is probably kind of like more even matchups against more things. Mm-hmm. And then this deck has a slightly worse matchup. Although 
depending on how the Huru control deck is built, for example, this could be more even, but I would say the Huru control deck probably has a more favorable matchup because it's playing a bunch of sweepers and a bunch of ways to deal with your tokens. Decks that don't have a way to deal with you going wide, I think are very soft to this. So like the Menace deck is particularly soft to this, um, but the Menace deck can beat the Huru control deck. Um, yeah. So this probably has more rock, paper, scissors going on, um, even though it's a top deck, and then Creation Project probably lives somewhere in more in the middle of the matchups where it can have more 50-50 matchups. I don't know if you agree with that or not, Chips. I think I think this deck. Yeah, this deck's like incredible against Menace, and then it's like pretty even against Haru and and Project. And like those are kind of the only four like top decks. So right. like I think I think those four decks basically beat everything else pretty pretty handedly. And then they just kind of compete with each other. So like I think this is in a pretty good spot where like if you I think it's the kind of thing where if you enjoy the deck, then it's it's kind of like what style of deck do you want to play, basically. Like they're all pretty close, um, with the exception of Menace in this deck. I think that's the most polarized matchup of all of them. Like, like Menace versus Huru is like relatively polarized towards Menace, I'd say. And like Huru versus Project is like pretty polarized. And then like this deck is like pretty close like it might be a slight slightly uh disadvantaged against Huru, depending on how you build it um but yeah i think it's pretty close to the other ones that are menace this deck if that all right sense. cool well i think this leads us nicely into talking about some of your uh expedition decks that didn't make it but that you thought maybe were cool enough to highlight here um so straight, do you want to pick a deck to start with and we can uh, read it out and talk about what you liked about it, what you didn't like about it, and maybe why why you would play it or why you didn't play it? Sure. Um, so <clears throat> I know that I have a, a Menace uh, listed here, which is kind of a, you know a, an established format deck, but this was the version that I that I posted here was the version that I think we were most happy with uh, during testing. Um, a lot of testing happened between Menace and Creation Project. Um, so there were some considerations uh, in this version of the Menace list that would otherwise you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't typically see. So I don't know if you're kind of interested in jumping into that. Otherwise, we can just look at the kind of more interesting decks. No, uh, we can. There's some uh, cool cards here, and we don't have to spend too long. We can just like sort of highlight some of those differences and points we're making. Yeah. So, uh, cool. yeah, the deck is uh, four Battlefront Dasher, four Permafrost, four Terriax Mount, uh, four Felon Adept, four Lethrai Gambit, four Lethrai Marauder, four Plunk Lumpkin, four Chizue Silver Hilt. Uh, two Gareth Vet Veteran Lantern, which is a, a more recent uh, promo. It's a three-cost 2-2 two -two that when you summon it, it deals one damage, and you may pay three to have it deal one damage either to a unit or to the player. And when it deals damage to a unit, it um, it depletes the, the unit. It just 
right? Yeah. Exhausted. Yeah. yeah. Exhausted. It's actually, it's actually slightly better than that. It's any time you deal damage to your opponent's units, they get exhausted. I see. So it's right. Like a, it's like a passive that affects like all the damage you can deal. All right. Cool. Cool. All right. And then there's a uh, four rickety rampart, uh, four direwood pack, four Rania Miziox maniac, and four Sills stronghold. I think yeah. the cards that stand out from like the norm are the permafrosts and the Gareth. Everything else is like something you would expect to see in a menace deck in some amount. So the idea for permafrost was there isn't actually a deck that uh, we thought would be played that really punishes it. Um, so like project has no, like it's pretty good against project. Uh, like they don't have any way of like breaking it, for example. So that that's that's why we decided to play it in this version. And then I think Gareth is like just incredibly underrated in this deck. Like it it just does so much for so little. Um, like it it triggers Felnadept. It puts it's like it's just incredibly threatening unit that in the way Menace plays its games, because Menace kind of plays like really ahead in the beginning and kind of like snowballs that advantage to like get damage in and generate value. And then your opponent is just like scrambling to stabilize the entire game. And Gareth, like if they don't deal with it, that you can just threaten so much damage by like exhausting two of their units with his ability um, on, you know, turns where you can kill them. So. Right. Yeah. We had so earlier versions or other versions of the deck, for example, didn't have uh, left right gambit in them. They started off with not having permafrost, but um, since we had a sense of like what kind of creation project mid rangey decks could be brought, and we tested a lot against that, um, those cards started shining a little bit more because when you pay a lot of power for your unit, then having a cheap answer to it um, really does make a difference. And I I also, I remember from the open that I got top four with Menace 4, and, and that was the same one I think that uh, Apple Chips uh, got second and ended up yep. qualifying for Worlds, uh, that Lethrite Gambit was just the card I almost always wanted to see. Um, when I was playing uh, day two uh, with open deck lists, so it uh, it really, I think that that card is 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 just very strong in that deck. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Lethride Gambit. I think I might have talked about this on the podcast. It's just like a card that it's still unbelievable to, <laughs> that it's still so good because it it just doesn't see. It, I mean, it does a lot, but it doesn't do anything particularly well. But then it's just one of those cards where doing a lot of of a, doing a bunch of little things ends up being pretty good um, but yeah it's it's interesting the permafrost um thing because i know permafrost is a card that's sort of gone in and out of favor this expedition format and you know once especially like creation project decks got big and big or played more and then everyone started packing uh, attachment removal, it, you know, then permafrost becomes a more dangerous 
card to have in your deck? Is it is the thought that it's good predicated a little bit on being like a world's meta where you thought there'd be a lot of menace and a, and and so fewer relic attachment uh hate cards so yeah let chips go into this i think and i'm gonna kind of piggyback afterwards um on a couple things so yeah one of the things here is um unleash was changed uh by the point we made that we added permafrost to this deck because and so because of that um there was no risk of like someone trying to do like musket plus or barbarians um so barbarians is a uh, gorillas uh barbarian gorillas it's that uh that we i didn't expect people from worlds to play that card um because the card is like very it's a very weak rate and igniter is just a much um uh, better card it's much more well positioned because the key relics in the format are all even so um we expected everybody to only play igniter in their project decks and basically no one to play borbarian and so that that was kind of the main thing like borbarian used to be a lot more popular but because of uh project costing four in this metagame um this is the first uh, expedition tournament where project had costed four. We predicted that people would bring Niter. That was correct. Right. We noticed as well that not as many people were playing Exodus in their creation project decks, which would and which is what made sort of permafrost bad against our deck specifically. Let's say when we tested. Um, yeah. But the way to think about permafrost is not as a a permanent removal spell, but rather um, the way that it functions in this deck, even though we don't think that it's going to be removed very often, is is does it work on tempo where you can only you can pay one power to just stun a unit, even if it only stays in play for the one turn? Um, does it, is it does it still have impact? And I think in this deck it would, but we didn't we never put it in a huru control deck for example um even though the same things apply um where you probably don't have removal it's not something that i i felt like would need to be played in in the huru control deck for example okay cool uh shall we go on to this uh skycrag six deck let's yeah. do it yeah, so the skycrag six is a card that uh you know was recently buffed in that in that patch and uh, and uh, kind of um, straight mentioned that they wanted to try brewing around it, and it looks like you did. So I'll read the deck, and you guys can talk about uh, what's going on here. So there's four All Nighter, four Alton Bird Whisperer, which is a promo. Uh, it's a two cost two one with flying, invulnerable to damage from units with flying. Pay five to draw a unit with flying from the top five cards of your deck. Discard the rest. Uh, there are four Grumbo Total Legend, four Plump or Plunk Wumpkin, four Zultan Ambassador, uh, three Chizue, uh, four Sindane's Bracers, three Sindane, 
um, three Evelina, four Krogar, three Lord Fudrock, two Curiox All Seeing, two Talir Headmistress, and uh, four of the Skycrag Six, and then two Shashenka of Coastal. Yep. This is an apple chips baby. Yeah. So when <laughs> when the patch came out and they buffed Skycrag Six. I kind of just, I, my brain was like, hmm, this card's pretty good with Sindane's Bracers. It, it fits because you need heroes, and Sindane's Bracers gives you tons of power to, to you know, spend on your Skycrag 6 to draw more heroes and get more power and more cards. And uh, we had also just gotten Alton, which is a nice, cheap hero that uh, is actually pretty good. Like, it defends you pretty well against um what's it called uh reva and phoenix which are like cards that have seen a lot of play uh in expedition this year so kind of just i think the first uh version of this deck i actually just like made a five faction like tableau version <laughs> just for fun that was pretty um, baby. And then, yeah and then and then you know i tried to bring it down to like a three faction version we've had a bunch of hero decks in expedition with the zoltan ambassador and then and um so like the sindane's bracer that you're saying that's a key card to this deck so you're trying to get that out to oh, get yeah. enough power to oh yeah of... yeah and another another thing about it that i really liked I felt it was really well positioned time to place Endanger Racers because, like I said earlier, when we were talking about permafrost, I really felt like people would not be playing Barbarians; they would be playing uh, um, Igniter, and Igniter can't hit odd cost relics, so it may it means your Sindane's Bracers are like really really safe if that's if those yeah. assumptions are correct, mm -hmm. which is like pretty cool. So, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was the main impetus to to kind of build around it. And so, what what's the deck's plan against like such an aggressive deck like the Menace deck that we just talked about? Oh, it has a lot of heroes. Um, heroes in general are a little bit more difficult for the Menace deck to uh, to deal with. Although Lethra Gambit was, from my at least from my experience, was was really good against this. Um, it has the ability to gain it a lot of life between Grumbo and uh, Krogar. Mm -hmm. And it kind of um, it can stabilize pretty well, and then not a lot of its units can be killed by the site. So it's a pretty good deck against the site, which is one of the strongest cards in the menace deck. Um, so it felt like the matchup against that deck at least was okay. okay. Um, it was some other decks that it, maybe it fell a little bit lower down on. Um, was definitely very enjoyable to draw so many cards <laughs> off of the Skycrag Six like all the time. Yeah, um, definitely a Timmy deck. So yeah, no. So th this you is, enjoy that kind of playstyle. Yeah, no. This is a this is great. I think this is the kind of deck. This is like I mean, there's some promos in here, but this is like uh, like a best of of uh, draft rare heroes. Pretty cool. All right. Um, anything else you want to say on the deck, or shall we move on? I think that's pretty much it. All right. Yeah, same here. The next deck is uh, TJP Control. And so 
So this deck has uh, three all-nighter, four waystone igniter, four kick flip, kick flip monk, four plump wumpkin, three lunar claw, four parliament elder, four wisdom of the elders, three boundless knowledge, four furious magnaventress, two Krogar burdened hero, four fall of the spire, four Shashanka of Kosal, four save the day, and three stormhold plating. Yeah, so there's a couple different versions of this list. Um, a version of this, uh, we tested a whole bunch in the for that expedition open a while back, um, and it had uh, it was Apple Chips's creation, and it had uh, Talir in it. This version doesn't have Talir in it, so it doesn't have kind of that really great six to eight um, play where you end up winning the game if you if you kind of get it through. This is more reminiscent of the Huru control deck with time in it. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll let Chippy speak, it, speak to it a little bit too, but I think the one detriment of this deck is that its uh, its influence is just very rough. Yes. So yeah. um, <laughs> it's it has a lot of powerful things if it gets its influence, um, but that's the difficult part. I think this was like uh, actually a... A version that was just like thrown together actually i'm not sure like uh for example i think in this kind of deck you would prefer to play um celestial discovery over wisdom of the elders like that jumped out at me um since it's uh, a little easier to play and then potentially um dismantle might be better than igniter in this deck since it's like also a power um and kills kind of the same things um but yeah the 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 i built a i built a tjp deck but kind of um i chose to not go deep into justice um and so like i wasn't playing like fall of the spire and was trying to do like save the day like try to try to have as like, fast speed cards as possible to try to like capitalize on save the day so that you could like do stuff um when they didn't attack you that kind of thing mm -hmm. but i mean it's i think it's a cool idea like there's a there's a lot of like really good time cards so like there is definitely an appeal to you know building a a control deck with time uh in addition to justice and primal yeah yeah this like, this is Bean's version I think this is Fiend's version of kind of like uh, some of the some of these kinds of decks that we were testing, um, and I I just I'd also want to say that it, the Huru matchup between the tokens deck and this deck was closer than than the TJP control to the tokens deck. The TJP control just had a if it got the its influence together, it had basically like a an incredibly good matchup against the tokens deck because it was able to deal with the cards that would be really great against the Huru deck, which it can't really deal with as much. Um, so yeah, this, this, which, you know, it, is it important for the, for that tournament? I, we weren't expecting anybody else to bring uh, the deck that we brought. So probably not very, but mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting as well. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because you say that there's a lot of, uh, powerful time cards to put into a TJP control deck to make it not Huru. But like 
you know, like this deck has the All-Nighter, which is a pretty powerful removal card, especially against, you know, low-to-the-ground decks like the Menace deck and, and stuff. Um, and then it has the Waystone Igniter, which you mentioned could be um, a Dismantle. It has Kickflip Monk, which is another pretty a good inscribed card. But I don't know how many graveyard shenanigans are really happening in Expedition to make use of its its sort of static text. And I then, think with oh sorry oh, um, no you you can respond to that I was I was saying that kickflip monk it's it's really just a two four flyer for two I think the, the yeah. text isn't isn't relevant like that's why that's mostly why people were playing it, it was very popular in the uh, creation project decks at worlds because of that reason it's um, a power very, and it's a really great blocker yeah very very good against like menace um, kind of like all nighter mm-hmm. And then there's like Frogar, which is a two of in this deck, and also double time making the the influence of, of the deck worth. So it just like those cards don't like scream like power, like say like a Rania or a Creation Project does to me. I'm not, obviously not Krogar's a great card, but I, it's it seems weird to like it feels like this deck is like splashing a Krogar you know, like for yeah. you know, two copies uh, of it. For sure. I think this is mostly like a first draft, honestly. Yeah, yeah, no, and I... I, I agree. Um, there there was, so like Chips's version, some of Chips's version were more like an Elysian deck that was splashing Justice, so you wouldn't necessarily see Fall, fall the Spire in that deck either. Uh, so there were different ways of kind of building this, but the key thing here is you have a controlling plan you are able to play some of the better relic removal cards in the format because that's important in this format. Um, and you're trying to play kind of a bigger game, not so much low to the ground. So being able to deal with the really far, fast starts that a menace deck would have um, and still be able to interact with a bunch of relics and then try to go over the top mm -hmm. afterwards. And, um, and, and so would you say that that's sort of the heart of, of why you would add time is to add that relic interaction. Yeah, like who doesn't have good relic hate options? The only one it really has that's not embarrassing is uh, display. And honestly, it's kind of awkward in that deck because you're also trying to do triple justice and quad, triple tri quad to quad justice. So you you really just don't have like room in the power base to play the primal you need to make that card uh you know consistently playable on like turns three and four mm -hmm. which is when you need to play it if you if you can't if you have to play it on turn five like you're already behind um so right. one additional thing i want to mention in terms of relic removal and it's something that i think th it's not something that we considered at all during prep but Something that Lights Out Ace has been saying in the main Discord is that we should give Disrupt a chance, basically. Um, I, and I, I did play a Huru version that was playing a couple of them just to, to, to try it out after the fact, but um, I don't think we considered that at all during testing. So I don't know how that skews Relic matchups, if it does at all. Um, but it tells you something about how important Relics are to the format and that that card was a consideration because it's um, you wouldn't really think of it as a as a card to consider otherwise. Yeah, yeah, 
for sure. Like, I think in general, the Haru deck is probably favorite against like Project and maybe even the token deck. But if the token deck or Project has Project or Big Wheel in play, Haru just can't beat them. It's you just lose every time, basically. It's just too much to deal with. So the theory of it does make sense to me somewhat, but I think. Like, you don't have a high enough density to consistently deal with relics, even if you do play two Disrupt and two of the display. Um, And, like, Disrupt is just so bad. I don't think think you can just, like, float a card, especially an Expedition, like, that much. Like, you have a lot of card draw, but that doesn't really excuse it, I don't think. But display also was a little awkward when when you had like an active dino nest because it makes you it gives you a dino as well. There were like various different times when even giving you a unit was pretty impactful. Like you could play your Exodus, you could still you could still do stuff with that one four that it that you get that it wasn't just free to to try to remove a relic of yours. So it's um it definitely had yeah. some awkward moments. Yeah, I don't think it's like crazy to do it, but. I'm not sure it really solves the problem at heart. Right. All right, cool. I think that's uh, that's it for the uh, expedition decks. Um, so uh, let's move on to Throne here. Um, so what's the first deck you want to talk about, Straight? Um, so I, I know that, you know, creation project decks are plentiful. Um, this is a little bit more reminiscent of the original creation deck, the tier zero, let's say, that had uh, crescendo. Um, the The big thing I want to I want to say is I, I I know I spoke about when we did our recap um, about creation decks in general, and we looked at kind of the variations and what what was important and what wasn't important. And I mentioned that I really I enjoyed do your best bears version more than some of the bigger more mid-rangey versions like allison's version for example um i think one of the key reasons why that was uh specific to the card rapid development um which is in the market of this version of the uh creation project deck i think that rapid development is an extremely extremely powerful card uh and when you have a card that almost says i win the game when you cast it even if it's a five drop it just it stands out to me, and I think this version of the Creation Project deck is a really good uh, rapid development deck. Um, so I I don't think we necessarily need to spend that much time on the on the deck per se, but I thought that this was an interesting version of the deck. Right. And I think uh, quite the w- the way that I would want to play it if I if I if I played uh, this deck. Mm-hmm. And so the. I'll just read it off quickly, and uh, if you've listened to the last episode, you'll notice a few differences from the prevailing mid-range decks. Um, So there are four Abundance, four Alessi. Uh, This one's playing the Aurelian Infestation, so it's going much harder on the tokens. Uh, Four, it's a Crack the Earth deck, uh, four Grenadine Drone, four Initiative Sand, four Waystone Igniter, four Dino Nest, four Power Cell, four Aurelian Supplier, two Exodus, four Stand Together, and four Creation Project. Uh, so this deck is uh, not playing uh, cards like Nalki, um, and instead, uh, 
yeah, trying to go wider and um, and faster than the other creation projects. And the markets, the uh, Arcasol, Cloud Scraper, Collaboration, Rapid Development, and Thunder of Wings. Yeah, I, I think for me, one of the interesting facts that uh, that you mentioned this deck is just how it felt like all the world's competitors who brought creation project sort of veered the other way. And so like all the choices they made ended up making their decks sort of more mid-range, you know, of the five people that brought creation project in throne to worlds, all of them were playing Nauki, all of them were playing sort of this bigger, beefier style. So it's uh it's pretty interesting that you know at the open it sort of leaned that way and then everyone kind of continued down that path do you think do you know what the reason for that might be so there's there's a very consistent sentiment that uh a mid-range version of project beats like a token version of project um i don't have a really strong opinion about that i think it's pretty close and both versions have advantages over the other uh even in the mirror like for example this the token build like i think the cards just work together better and like cards like aurelian supplier are like much better for the token deck and much worse for the mid-range version in the mirror um that's like a pretty key thing your abundances are a lot better in the token build but i also and, and another thing is that a lot of people like hate abundance and hate building around it and trying to make it better. And they just want to like have like their average card in their deck be stronger by itself, um, which is fine. But I think that's kind of the main reason why that's the case, why people favor the mid range version. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And you know, with the other card besides Renalki that, uh, just about everyone played is uh, Varbuk, uh, Hand of Anarchy. You know, the Rakano mm -hmm. card that lets you kill an enemy multi-faction unit or relic. And uh, do, do you think, like, with... I don't know. I guess with five creation project decks is... You know, I like, I, like this is a, a mirror breaker card. And so do you... W was that a consideration with the world's meta? Like, do you think these people were expecting more creation project or do you think Varbuk had like was it because of worlds that like Varbuk has enough targets or one of the big things i don't like about the more mid-range versions and the the ones with Varbuk and and um the five drop um is naoki is the influence requirements that they have in the main deck like spending so much time to have to worry about whether you can make all your double influence cards work and then try to curve at the same time is just is just needless i think um when you can play something like this and the whole main deck is a single single influence requirements and then you have one double influence requirement in your market uh, or a couple of double influence requirements in your market and i think the chips is uh the way the chips built the deck originally uh thunder of wings was uh, Phoenix, which may be a better card. I wanted to lean even more so into Alessi and Abundance, but I felt like just working more on the cards that make the the 
the more busted cards in the deck is just a better way of approaching this and maybe it's more of a combo mentality but the big thing is the influence requirement like i don't i don't want to have to worry about it uh if i don't have to um that's yeah i don't know what you think chips um yeah that's definitely a huge advantage for this deck over the other deck is is the influence being so low yeah like and you also get to play waystone igniter which is I think it, it's a pretty well-positioned card, even in Throne. Um, it's not like a threat on its own, but this deck makes use... It's It makes use of the small body more than like the mid-range deck does because you have all these Anthems and um, stuff like Stand Together and Exodus. Um, I think one thing about this deck that's that makes the... One, like, one that makes the mid-range deck better is you have to use Crack the Earth in both decks because it's just the best market card available to you. And Crack the Earth is a lot less good in this deck than it is in the mid-range deck. Like ramping in the mid-range deck and fixing your influence is like a way bigger deal um, um, than it is in this deck. Like it's still good in this deck because it's good with abundance and it's a token. Um and the card is just powerful, but it does mesh less well with the plan. Crack the earth. Uh, yeah, so that's I definitely agree with that. Yeah, it's a good the, point. The funny, the funny thing is, this deck is actually much better against something like uh, control, like equalizer, her control. Not necessarily equalizes much, but the the cards stand together is like really really good against like sweeper decks. So I think the the mid-range deck kind of makes up for not having stand together by playing a bunch of chargers, which is why you know that's what that's why Varbuk and Noki are so good in that deck, is it, it makes you it gives you a game plan to beat like control like bigger, slower controlling e decks. Um so I think it's interesting and it could come down to like what kind of play style you enjoy more because i do honestly think that it's a pretty even matchup uh whether you play this version or the mid-range version like one of them one of the decks is probably slightly favored over the other but i'm not exactly sure which one it would be without like actually testing it incredibly deeply we tested it some but it yeah. just it was really unclear which one was which one was stronger <clears throat> mm-hmm. yeah it, it's just like it interesting to me because you know the the we hadn't meant we haven't mentioned it yet but the deck you guys brought for throne um was the throne room deck that uh you're so famous for apple chips um which is uh, a menace deck that's sort of trying to whose top end is throne room at three which maximizes you know you have whispering wind which is a guaranteed uh, to draw throne room if you discard a two drop and sort of so it's this like frenzy menace deck uh, with the this uh, throne room is the, the top end um, and so like this is a deck you know and a lot of people brought this deck or a similar deck and so it's like interesting that you have these creation project decks that are going mid-rangey and then have a varbuk uh, in it that has like a single target um, against this deck, which is just found the depth. Yeah, that was an interesting dynamic uh, of 
throne room versus project decks is none of the project decks can interact with your relics. Um, so you kind of have to, like when you're approaching that matchup, you kind of have to, you know, play with that knowledge and you value your throne rooms and crowns uh, and whispering winds a lot more than your fountain depths because those are just threats that they can never deal with. And so you kind of just limit the axes they can like bite you on, which is pretty good. Um, and you also have boar for their relics. So there is a disparity there in terms of like relic advantage. All right. So, uh, yeah, let's go to this, uh, next deck. So, uh, of course, uh, straight, um, suggested two overloader decks for us to talk about. So uh, the first one is <laughs> is uh, sort of a, a take on the Rakano overloader deck that we've been talking about um, ever since Straight joined this podcast. And um, so I'll, I'll read it out. It's uh, four Endure, four Spiked Helm, four Stranger's Mark, four Warning Shot, four Fire Etchings, four Nakas, uh, Bastion Prodigy, four Overloader, four Fearless Crescendo, um, four Rujin's Choice, two Seek Answers, four Olene of Urmstead, four Soulfire, four Surveying the Rift, um, and then the market is Display of Passion, Draconic Looting, uh, Flame Tail Whip, uh, Jack Mercenary Hunter and Pyrotech Explosion. So, uh, what um, what's new about this deck? And if it is a a new card, maybe we'll you should read it. Uh, yeah. So this is kind of this was updated for the promo that got released the week before Worlds. So the promo that got released uh, the week before Worlds was Surveying the Rift, which is a four cost two fire influence spell that says draw four cards and then discard all cards from your hand that is their power um so it's a on its surface drawing four cards for four is a is very strong there's some detriments to it and that you don't get to make a power drop after you draw four cards um but it fits in certain kinds of decks this would be one of those decks because the deck doesn't necessarily need more than four power to do what its plan is um and it definitely would like to draw cards because the Rakano overloader deck one of the key weaknesses to it is once you get your uh combo piece sniped from your hand with uh with exploit for example um you would mostly need to just naturally try to draw off the top of your deck to find it I, the card that it replaced in this uh, version of the deck was uh, Catalyze. And you would think Catalyze is not necessarily very interesting, uh, but it was just a it, it was just a draw to discard one card. Um, but Surveying the Rift is much better than Catalyze in this deck. So we wanted to see whether or not this deck was more was changed sub substantially with the addition of surveying the rift. Mm -hmm. It is a better card. I don't think the deck itself changed substantially because of it, but it's kind of an interesting addition to this deck. Right. So I, I guess the two questions I have is one: Do you think this is a better version now with surveying the rift than the previous version of the deck? I do. Okay. So you yeah, would you I would suggest any all our Rakano Overloader fans um, in the listening audience that they should upgrade their deck? 
Yeah, I would agree as well. Yeah, okay. I think it's better. And then, so I guess then the my second question is, so why do you think no one brought like a Reconner Overloader to Worlds? It's just not quite there. It's mm-hmm. really close, and it's probably the best like all-in combo deck in Throne, but it's just. It's just a little, you know, there's just a, there's just a few too many problems. It's just a little too inconsistent. It's it's really close though. If some if this deck got better, it could become the best deck in the game. Like it's it's pretty close. Um, I agree. Okay. So it's just despite all the consternation about this deck, we we think it's just not quite there on power level and, and the sort of the yeah. the true tier 1 deck. So it just isn't consistent yeah. enough. I think you could easily get masters with it, but like, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's like. It, quite it goes back to also when we talked when uh, when I derailed our whole episode, Aro, uh, and talked about combo instead. Uh, I think we mentioned one thing that I think is important. One is if you know what you're playing against, you can make decisions, and I think playing against better players that know what you're playing against, even though people say that there's no interaction points, there's many interaction points with combo the better players are going to play much more tightly and being able to navigate playing around things is much more difficult against really good players. So <clears throat> I mentioned this too when when I was saying about testing with, with chips, when we were testing the different overloader decks against each other and, and di- different decks um, against the Rakan overloader that we ended up spending, I don't know, like 10, 10 minutes... <laughs> Uh, after the game, talking about choices that we were making on turn three, and that doesn't happen if there if there aren't a lot of uh, different choices that you need to make that you need to navigate through. So, with that in mind, this version of the deck is not very uh, versatile against uh, hate cards and interaction against it. So that that's something to consider, I think, when bringing it into a competitive tournament. Okay, so I. Uh, oh. For people that don't know, uh, they this deck. So there used to be a bug with uh, warning shot, where if you if you used if you used warning shot on Nakas, but you hadn't played a power yet, for some reason it wouldn't trigger Nakas, and so it, it was incredibly annoying and it was so disgusting. But they fixed it with the patch uh, that changed Unleash, which which. That was that was a pretty big uh, boost in, in, in mostly quality of somewhat quality of life, but also power level. So you, for people that do know about it, it's not a thing anymore. And people that you know, it's just a factoid for people that didn't know about it at all. But yeah, so right, that, that was really nice. that was another reason I really wanted to try the deck again because that comes up so many times actually. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting because I know when that patch came out, people were they were like, "Oh gosh, they buffed Rakana Overloader." But it it's interesting that you know this bug fix, um, you know, it's still still hasn't still not quite there. Yeah. Um, all there right. Definitely times where you sandbagged uh, not playing a power for turn, even though you had one to play, just so that you could use <laughs> Warning Shot the next turn. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's go to this uh, this next overloader deck, which Straight has uh, labeled Marketless Dino Overloader. Um, so I'll read the deck, and then you can kind of uh, 
talk about it. This is, uh, I think, maybe the uh, this four color overloader uh, deck that you were you've been hinting at for the last couple episodes. That was hush hush. Um, so it is uh, four trail stories, uh, four bottled insight, four hardiness, four overloader, four seek power, four celebration, one detonation cannon, four direwood hymn, four finned herbivore. Uh, four quarry, four Rugen's choice, one pyrotechnic explosion, uh, four realign the stars, and four diabolic uh, machinations. Yeah, and no market to worry about. So, um, so there was a version of the four color duck. Um, so you can find a, a a version of the four color duck if you look at so my previous tournament decks. I date two with it, um, and it was playing a condemn market. And I would suggest that you should play a condemned market most of the time uh, because it allows you to have a whole bunch of different interaction uh, and also answers to hate cards. This version of the deck is very straightforward and it's just trying to do the combo. And if somebody has, um, you know, like a a law mage, you kind of concede. So... The consideration, I guess, to bring a deck like this would be uh, more to play it on ladder or to play it in a closed tournament where you're not expecting to see certain cards, more so than probably bringing it to just a general open. Uh, because just having the chance throughout so many games to just need to just concede if you see certain cards is doesn't feel really good. Um, but at the same time, this is the... The difference in this version of the deck uh, is the big one is Finned Herbisaur. Yeah, let's get to uh, the dinos here. Come on. Yeah, so <laughs> Finned Herbisaur is a two-cost uh, primal unit. It's a 2-2. Um, and it says that when you play it, you can contract two to give yourself face ages. And the first spell um, and the first dino that you play each turn costs one less um the really big part about overloader decks in general is their startup cost the cost that you need to pay in order to get started with your combo the turn you're going to be playing overloader any discount to your spells or to your whole combo basically shaves a turn off of you going off um so Finned Herbisaur is another way, another trail stories or another way to shave a turn off from being able to combo. So this deck can combo off as early as turn three, um, but it has some detriments in how consistently it can find all its influence. So it doesn't require a lot of undepleted power to go off, but it is a little cumbersome to have to deal with your influence um, influence need. Right. Uh, you basically need to find triple shadow, but most of your power adds shadow. So if you've made three or four power drops, you would think you probably have completed your shadow requirements, but not always. Mm-hmm. And okay, and and like you said, this is a deck you tested, but this is this. Because it's so all in on the combo, you feel like it's more of a ladder deck than maybe an open deck. 
Yeah, chances are I wouldn't. I wouldn't choose it for a no, but I would. I would be afraid for the same reasons that like the Rakano deck. I would be a little bit afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, enough people will play aggressive decks. Enough people will play. Um, so, yeah, I I don't know. Condemn gives you a chance against aggressive decks where you can kill their their two one that they play on turn one, get another removal spell from your market. This this version of the deck is just built to be as quick as possible, as consistent as possible to just the comp. But right. it doesn't make it win more often than the other version of the deck. And then with Thin uh, Herbisaur, so it, are you making use of the Aegis? Like, w- would you say, how how often are you playing the contract on, on that card? Yeah, pretty often. Um, if you if you see Shadow, you're you're going to get face Aegis. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say that that's kind of a general rule of thumb for the card. Mm-hmm. It's also cool that you can pay two, get face Aegis, and still cast the spell that turn. So you could you could play your Fendurbiser, contract yourself, and because your uh, your seek power costs zero, you can just play your seek power. Um, you could cycle a bottled inside if you want. The one thing that you need to kind of consider um, is that in this version of the deck is if Trail, trail Stories is kind of awkward with the Fender Resource, so if you're planning on using the Trail Stories, you should just use it the turn before you're going to go off. Um, one of the positive things about the deck is that it's it can easily go off with Overloader plus Diabolic Machinations just by itself, because it has multiple different ways to discount spells, so your Machinations can cost three, for example, sometimes, and you can just play Overloader plus Machinations for four power. Um, and you don't need to worry about removal or anything like that. You can just go do your thing. Um, the contract also works really well with a two-cost spell the turn after you play it. So if you play your Fender Besor, contract yourself for two, the next turn, your your two-contract gets paid for. If you play Undepleted, you can play any of your two-cost um, spells for one. So that also functions pretty well together. Right. But you don't contract it if you have the turn three combo in hand. I definitely not. <laughs> if you're able to go off turn three, you would not contract. No. All right, uh, chips. Anything to say on this deck? Uh, this is a cool deck. It's it's all straight though. This is definitely hundred <laughs> percent straight. Con- I mean, uh, I know he um, has spent like the past year somewhat talking with Urs Overseer about this archetype in general, but this iteration of it, I think he did by himself. Yeah. I, I love um, Fender Restore. I think that card's sweet. I want to find more yeah, ways to use it. It's a cool addition to the deck. Like it's like you're you're like going even more all in to try to just like do it as fast as possible. Kind of yeah, it, it's interesting because I feel like people haven't really used the spell aspect of it, or at least built all around it. Like when Valley Beyond came uh, came out, um, you know, there were a bunch of people playing like these Elysian Dino decks and all of these things, and then those slowly fell out of favor as people found you know more powerful archetypes. But it is interesting to me that no one has really used it. At least I haven't seen many decks. I I don't I shouldn't say no one. Sorry, no real decks have come to prominence that have used the the spell cost reduction side of it. Yeah, I I think any cost reduction 
is inherently powerful and on a card that you know like it's not permanent if it discounted every single spell that you played you would see people play this <laughs> yeah. um but it's a two cost card uh it it has some power and toughness so in and of itself just being so cheap it it has the potential of being usable on in fast formats like throne um i think it's a very interesting card and i think it's a powerful card i just don't think yeah there's been enough playing around with it or noticing like the more kind of combo decks you have um that could use it i think the stronger this card becomes um if this deck didn't have to play justice for region's choice if for some reason there was like another um another tutor effect that was red maybe trying to find grenadines specifically or just within menace colors i think this deck becomes multiple levels better than what it is right now and i th i think all versions of overloader that would be true for um but yeah, I thought this was kind of a, an interesting variation to that to that deck, that archetype. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I think it's pretty cool. It's it's a nice update on sort of the old uh, three and four color version. So it's it's pretty cool. Um, I think uh, so. For the last deck that we wanted to talk about, uh, this is a TJP deck, um, and you have it labeled. Uh, Big butts, and I, I think it's uh, pretty reminiscent of uh, before Creation Project uh, decks came out. These um, the ABCD uh, EF decks that uh, were sort of the scourge of the format before people knew uh, how how bad things could really get. Um, Some amount of alphabet letters, <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll read the deck and we can talk about maybe what's different from that and why you might play this instead of, uh, say, a creation project deck. Um, so there yeah. are uh, four uh, Brody Bastion's Hope, uh, four Crack the Earth, four Dairy Cathane, four Nesting Raven, two Accelerated Evolution, two Accelerated Impact, four Dinosaur Nest, uh, four Equivocate, four Harga Armory Warden, four Mother of Skies, uh, two Storm Mirage, uh, four Trials of Tribulations, um, four Great Valley Smuggler, and four Kayana Skilled Caster. And the market is uh, Arc of Soul Collaboration. This has a crack yet, yeah. Arc of Soul Collaboration, Lord Thudrock, uh, Rapid Development, and Corviat's uh, Palace. Yeah. Um, so. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about kind of the thoughts behind it. Um, and I'll, I'll also let uh, Chips add, add some, some thoughts. So it's, it has some overlap with the A, B, C, D, E, F um, alphabet uh, deck that, uh, that was popular. Yeah, um, well, and it's surprisingly, it's missing the A. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I think uh, Chips had... His version of this um, had a lefty in it. Um, the reason, so let me backtrack a little bit. So we talked about the Elysian deck that Spiff created, um, that Collector GT100 and Spiff made day two in the last throne open for. And strangely enough, this is more a thought expansion from that deck 
than it is the um the the alphabet deck um so it was a deck to try to maximize rapid development or the aspect that made rapid development good in Spiffrific's deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and then trying to figure out what other what other strong things can happen with Mother of Skies uh, multicolor card interaction with that. And then th- a, a continuation from that thought was, well, you can be a Brody deck um, and you can just try to do... Th- that kind of interaction as well. So that's where this the inception of this deck was more than anything else. Um, and Palace is just a really strong card, even though you can't grab it with uh, Crack the Earth. Uh, Chips, I don't, I don't know if you have any thoughts to share about this deck. Yeah, um, yeah, I do. I, I like straight mentioned. I, I built a slightly different version that that did have Alessi in it, um, since Alessi's just pretty good with it it works pretty well with uh, rapid development since she gets so large anyways but um yeah i think it's it's just a it's a cool strategy uh, once rapid development was made that you can just deal like really huge amounts of damage um and you can just generate so many tokens of mother of skies um it does kind of feel like if you don't draw Mother of Skies, it's like kind of hard to, um, you know, operate super well. But when it does draw Mother of Skies, it feels pretty good. Like the deck really works really well with it. Um, uh, what was I gonna say? There was I I did try a version that was playing a, a courier or courtier or what. Uh, whatever it's called the one it's a one drop that has plunder and it uh makes cards that you play in your opponent's turn cost one less mm-hmm. I tried a version with that the that was also playing palace and then you can do a sneaky thing with crack the earth where you play crack the earth on your opponent's turn and then you can grab or about palace because it'll cost five uh on the opponent's turn which i really enjoyed that cute thing but <laughs> that, that was probably my favorite version of favorite part of that um, yeah but yeah it's a it's a cool strategy i don't think it's quite there but i agree who knows? i think you, you can make edits to this to make it better for sure yeah. i just it we didn't one we didn't spend that much time on throne um just by the nature of what the tournament is the expedition is just more important Right. Um, yeah, um, it's an interesting deck. I I think you could you could improve it probably substantially. There's probably some element that it adds a, a whole different, um, really great aspect to it that I you know we didn't think about. It, it had that feeling at least that it, that it could be there. Yeah, you mean um, like adding fire? <laughs> no, definitely not that. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> No, he's gonna say creation project. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, no, I, yeah. It's well, it's it's kind of just been interesting. I mean, this is less specifically about uh, this deck, but it I I did find like the the fall of the ABCDEF deck and how that sort of 
now no one really talks or thinks about um, like color combinations that aren't um, FTJ. Uh, pretty interesting. And like, and whether there are ways to do kind of like similar things to what, you know, because like, it really felt like creation project that the deck that was really popular, especially for that thrown open was like, you just kind of like, you had, you already, people already had the core of the deck in mind because it was pretty similar to, to that alphabet deck. And then they just like switched out primal for, for fire. And, you know, you had some card choices and, and stuff. And then, and then it was just like, well, that deck was now so powerful that this other sort of three color aggro deck just couldn't stand a, a chance anymore. And, um, um, so, but it's, it's still interesting to me, like how you can, there's still space to explore there and figuring out other ways to do that. And, and what that means, whether it's worth it or not. Cause I feel like this is like a problem that happens in card games is like, people are like, oh no, well, um, FTJ is the best way to do, um, three color aggro now. And so like you, we don't even need to, con you know, because it's such a powerful card. So we don't even need to consider other options. Um, you know, it's kind of similar with how the process you guys talked about with your uh, expedition deck where, you know, you had these two pillars, you had this pillar of the format in creation project and, you know, like that's, that's the deck to use if you want to play abundance or if you want to play tokens. And then it's just like, well, maybe there's, you know, you're losing this powerful card, but maybe you're able to do something slightly different to make up for that fact. Yeah. I think another thing that isn't talked about that much, or maybe it is, so, some people talk about it, is that uh, when Project came out, it turned out that there were just... Like the cards, the cards that weren't Project NFTJ and Throne are are actually just better than the TJP cards. So yeah. the Project, like Project, kind of just like put everyone's focus on that, and then you realize that there's all these cards that are way better rate uh, than what TJP was doing, but are like they. It, it takes a lot of cards to use them. Like abundance is like really really powerful, but you know, it's if you it, it requires a lot of cards to you know make it work. So you're 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 committing a bunch of cards, and so project just like shores up that the weakness of those cards by giving you this inevitable infinite value engine, right? And so, but I I do honestly think that the FTJ cards like outside of project are actually just better than the other cards. So they just need a weakness short up. The problem cards in that deck, I wouldn't even argue are a project at this point. Projects is a very strong card. Alessi and Abundance are two that stand out that should be changed, to me at least, before you even consider changing project any further. Right. Um like that's my opinion. Supplier, supplier as well is insane. Yeah, if the deck didn't have supplier, it would be so much worse. Like, I don't know. And I actually like all the cards in the deck. 
So I don't, I don't, I don't really feel that strongly about it being changed, but you know, it's always good. Change is always good generally. So. Yeah. Well, I guess to get back to this, the, this point about FTJ just having better cards, because I do feel like before project came out, you know, people did try um, creation as an aggro deck and then they just, it seemed like the sentiment that was that just the alphabet deck was better and then creation project was the thing that pushed it sort of over over the alphabet deck but you just you don't actually think that was necessarily true like if we could turn back time to before creation project do you think there's like I, um like I we we could um we could keep refining I, I think AB. So sorry. No, no, you you can go. I was saying I think ABCDF was a better deck before Project came out, but I actually think the cards individually in FTJ are more broken than the ones in in uh, the TJP deck. Like I think yep. Abundance and Supplier are just like completely insane. And Power Cell, Power Cell is. Yeah, like those three cards to like are just they're so good. They're they're crazy good. They're way like I think they're way more degenerate than the cards that were in TJP. Um mm -hmm. for like in my opinion. Like um like I don't even think Magna Ventress is, is that good a card. Like no. uh but you you had it it's just it was a totally different game plan though is the thing yep. like tjp is this kind of like it's this aggro deck that's trying to protect its like insane threats and like copy them and do all the stuff and like holds up power a bunch whereas like uh ftj is this just like insane like token deck that has these like nonsensical cards that don't make any sense like supplier and abundance and then uh, another thing is like Alessi is the best card in both of those decks. So like the fact that the FTJ deck gets to play with Alessi still is kind of like probably the most important thing. Honestly, that card just like w with crescendo, it just is just doesn't it didn't make any sense. Right. So, so yeah, I want to I want to <laughs> actually because you mentioned crescendo, and I've been kind of uh, waiting to to mention that card. I think the loss of crescendo as it was is more impactful to the TJP deck than it is the uh, creation deck. Um, I think that the toolbox that it it gave you was very important in being able to fight against like sweeper decks, like a variety of situations that you would find yourself in, still grow your units or give them uh, evasiveness like that probably hurt this deck, um, the ABC deck more than the creation project decks, uh, by, by a lot. Um, and I think it's difficult to kind of theorize the situation if you were to try to build the decks prior to create to, to project and kind of run them into each other because the TJP deck plays like trials and tribulations, and you know, like 
it's it's very specific to those two matchups. You 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 haven't been seeing these matchups for a long time. Whether the trials would have been more impactful pre before creation project, probably, but after creation project, then it becomes like not a card against that deck. So it's difficult. It, yeah, it's it's difficult to assess um, in theory what it what it could have been. Yeah. No. I and I was mainly trying to like yeah tease out what. Uh, Apple Chips was saying about more powerful cards and stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I do like. I do think this is uh, a pretty cool deck. Speaking more back to this big butts deck, I mean, I love. I, I also love Mother of Skies as a card, and the fact that you have Storm Mirage and like a deck that I always try to build, and then decide there aren't quite enough cards for is like a mother of sky like in a mother of skies uh majestic skies deck and then i always try to put like storm mirage and uh nesting raven and cards like that in it and then decide that there aren't quite enough flyers to to make my my dreams come true but now with all this rapid development deck i'm like excited to try this again yeah having eight eight ways to get to your rapid development is a is a pretty good way to close out the game this this deck is pretty soft to uh, to control decks though. Anything that sweeps your board is is uh, pretty cumbersome. Yeah, I I could see that. All right, cool. Um, well, is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about or say? Um, my th this is kind of minor, but my favorite thing about the deck is Sorry. collaboration. Even though rapid development is the most important card. Collaboration is really cool because you have like with between Crack the Earth and the the Nesting Raven token. The Nesting Raven token is a Feln unit, and the Crack the Earth token is a Xenon unit. So th what that means is you can get four cards off it. Like it seems like you would only be able to get three because it's a three faction deck, but you can still get four, which is great. Yep. <laughs> similar, to, uh... similar to the project deck. Yeah, a project has the insane high roll of, of abundance giving you a a primal uh, unit that also then yeah. gives you the chance of drawing five cards off of the collaboration. But uh, but yeah, that's hey, it's it's like some sweet, it's quite interesting, um, you know, cards in the stack. I, I think it's still really powerful, and you can play it in a throne format, and you can climb on ladder. Um, it might not be the best deck, but it's definitely you just have a ton of one drop, two drop, like into three drops. So it's very fast. It's pretty powerful. It's it's kind of an interesting deck. Um, I don't have anything else to share about the deck, but I do want to say um, that it was it was a pleasure working with with Apple Chips and, and preparing and with Fiend. I thought it was just really really great. I want to say congratulations to Apple Chips again. I thought he played phenomenally through the tournament. Um, I enjoyed watching him, um, especially in top four. It was like we were on the edge of our seats and sort of yelling in the Discord about uh, everything that was happening. It was a really great time, and I, um, it's going to be a, a really good memory, I think, uh, uh, forever for me. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's really exciting. I, um, you know... Now we're we're all sort of waiting to see if there's a a 2023 announcement, and we have this new set coming out. So, uh, yeah, congratulations, Chips. I think um, 
yeah, it's pretty exciting. I know you, you just have put so much work into the game. It's great that that has translated into, into, you know, such a great accomplishment. Thanks guys. Yeah. Yeah. Straight and being like, we, we practice like every day for hours. So like, yeah, couldn't have done it without them. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and then you guys, I know you, you guys just play a lot. And so it, it's cool to, to see such hard work pay off and to see, um, you know, I, I think the three of you now, you know, you guys are just like so willing to try anything and it's great to see, um, that, that, that kind of like desire to explore. And so I'm like, I really appreciate that you guys will come on this cast and sort of, um, sort of talk about all of these different areas of exploration and, and sort of, you know, it's cool. I think it shows in the cast that we've recorded where, you know, it's just like, you're always thinking of a new or crazy card or, or, you know, like any suggestion you're, you guys are sort of willing to take in and explore. So it, it's, it's pretty great. You know, I, it's like, you know, there, I felt like there were some people that were like weeks before worlds happened where they're like, Oh, I'm just playing creation project in in both formats or, or whatever. And sort of are like, you know, we've talked about a bunch with like expedition and be like, Oh, this is the salt format. I don't need to think more about this really. And uh, it's, it's cool that someone that, that the people who were like, no, we really need to try to explore this further are the, the ones that were able to come out on top here. We'll get all mushy. We'll get all mushy at the end here, but, but yeah, this was, uh, this was very good. All right, cool. So, well, yeah, like uh, like I said, I, I wanted to do this episode uh, before this new set came out because, uh, uh, um, you know, I I knew you guys had a, a bunch of cool decks to, that you had tried out that didn't quite make it. But I think, like you mentioned a bunch of times in this episode, were definitely still playable on ladder and could win some games and give some people some new, new or different things to try out before before the new set comes out. So uh, yeah, that'll be the end of our show here. So uh, you can uh, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash farming eternal, where for as little as a dollar a month, uh, you can support the show. Um, you can join our uh, join our Discord, talk about uh, these episodes. We talk most of, mostly about draft there, but we do have some constructed sections too. And uh, as our constructed content grows in the uh, farming eternal empire and uh one of the benefits you get for supporting the show is a shout out uh so thank you to d-dub john demo steve Irwin, cotillion low-key trickster mercurio mercurio blue abednego meagles madness darth herman 2 twin hacks jed the hammer raven dragon esrit 0215 sunblaze work done sun and yes stout have a great week everyone bye